We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome on in. This is the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. It's Combine Week, so a ton to get to. The players are in Indianapolis. Testing starts this weekend, Thursday. We got some some of the big boys going, and then uh, skill position guys going over the weekend. So we are going to break down our expectations, some guys to keep an eye on during testing at the Combine this week. Let's start the show. Welcome on in. This is the Roadwire Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, John McKechnie. That is Mario Puig. This is one of the biggest weeks of the NFL offseason, of course, especially if you're an NFL draft head. The Combine uh, gets underway on Thursday. And, uh, you know, we, we might be missing a little bit of star power as far as the participants are concerned. Uh, this has become more of a of a trend in recent years where some of the, the guys that are top 10 locks, they're just going to go ahead and, and uh, not really do the testing. So that, that ends up being the case for uh, guys like Marvin Harrison, Jr., Caleb Williams, uh, Malik neighbors, uh, Jaden Daniels, I believe as well. Did, did I miss anybody? Uh, I am not an authority on the list. So uh, th- there might be some others. I just am not really, a, I, I haven't heard any others though. Yeah, so the, those are the big headliners. All of those guys expected to go uh, in the first half of, of the first uh, round. If if nothing else, you know some of those guys, uh, top five, maybe even top overall pick uh, types. So a little bit unfortunate uh, that they're not going to be going. But that that does kind of open the door for some other guys to uh, you know really make uh, a name for themselves this week. Some of them already pretty established, but can improve their stock even further. Can kind of close that gap. But the elite guys. Uh, so Mario, uh, let's get things started. You wrote wrote an article. It is up on the site on rotowire.com. Just got released uh, today. It is titled "The NFL Combine: Potential Risers, Fallers, and Sleepers." Um, so I wanted to to start start out with one guy that you didn't uh, specifically uh, mention in this article, at least as far as you, your write ups go, but. Roma Dunze uh, for, from Washington, one of the, the top three receivers that, that actually is testing this week. I've kind of seen some urban legends uh, about his athleticism over the course of this week as we get closer to the combine. 
Sounds like, like he might ones. really stand up. Good ones. Oh, okay. Very good ones. Um, especially yeah. for a guy of his size, of his stature. So now all of a sudden I've, I've kind of gone from, you know, th- thinking very highly of, of what Odunze brings to brings to the field and everything. But there might be tools that, that I did not even uh, fully account for. Yeah. And as you can tell, I did a stupid job of a headline slash image picking because uh, technically the only reason Odunze was uh, eligible for this article mention at all was because he's first in the general top tester list at the bottom, which has uh, you know no word count. But uh, it, I would have felt dumb putting uh, like, what if I put like a Jaden Sheridan uh, image in the database and it's like he goes undrafted and like does, doesn't even get a camp invite <laughs> and it's like I, I just feel dumb having up done the effort of putting that picture in the database but uh anyway uh it's it's um basically like harrison is of course not doing the testing because he just point blank does not need to there's no way he'll fall out of the first four picks in my opinion it, it, it just doesn't seem possible and uh there's 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 basically like indicators already of what his athleticism is what his athletic testing would likely be so um even guys who don't go as high as harrison like you were kind of getting at before uh waddle and you know Najee harris Devonte smith those guys didn't do any testing either and i, I guess it's like there's got to be somebody who's keeping uh you know prior testing data available uh to give it out and um even with Odunze, like you said have, there's there's just kind of like a variety of um really good uh reports out there about him and it, it just sort of matches up with the tape i think he is on pretty much the same uh, you know same tier arguably exact same you know ranking slot as as harrison uh, i don't say that as in like i believe that's true i just think it's a possibility and if Udunte tests a certain way uh, which is to say you know figures that would sort of be expected of harrison uh I still think Harrison's locked in as the wide receiver one. It's just one of those things, at least in you know the fantasy community, there's maybe not quite uh, enough credit given to a Dunze at this point. Like maybe Harrison is correctly ranked. Uh, you know, even if, even if you know, he's going like 18th overall in, in some redraft best ball type things. And, and if maybe that's, maybe that's correct. But if it is, then Odunze really might not be far behind if he tests the way that it, it looks like he will. Exactly. So, you know, again, if you've been following college football for a while, it's been, you know, a, a long prophesized that, that uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. would be the number one receiver in this class and, you know, we're worthy of a, a top three selection. But um, th- this week could could prove that, you know, while he is worthy uh, of said distinction, uh, it's not only him uh, that 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 needs to, to be thought of uh, that highly at, at the wide receiver spot. So I'm, I'm definitely uh, extremely interested to see what what he's able to do uh, during his testing, which I believe will take place over the weekend. I want to say on Saturday is when uh, our guys, the, the quarterbacks, the running backs, uh, and the receivers will will be uh, showing out in Indy. We got the big guys, D linemen, linebackers going on on Thursday, and then uh, tight ends and some other position group going uh, on, on Friday, and then I think offensive linemen on Sunday is the official schedule and a quick programming note um, for for those who like to follow the combine, we will have updated combine uh, information and data uh, that goes up essentially live. Once, once these guys testing numbers uh, become official, they will be up on the rotowire site. We got guys working around the clock uh, to get those into our database. Our database dates back uh, like over 15 years, I think, 
20 years almost at, at this stage of, uh, of combine data. So keep an eye on that. You'll be able to see how these guys compare uh, within this class and also historically. So we got some really cool filters on that for you guys to, to really uh, dig into. But Mario, uh, let's keep rolling uh, with, with your article. Then let's look at some guys with, with, some, with a lot to lose, a lot to gain. Uh, here in Indianapolis. So we talked about him a bit last week when it came to him versus teammate Xavier Worthy. Uh, but what does A.D. Mitchell or Donnie Mitchell uh, need to do uh, this weekend to, to continue to, to have the type of draft stock that, that he currently uh, holds? Yeah, you could arguably put uh, Worthy in the exact same category as Mitchell. I just sort of took the liberty of skipping Worthy in the article because there's so much reliable indication that he's going to totally torch uh, the 40-yard dash and and maybe any other test that he does. Uh, so Mitchell very much expected to test really well himself, though, uh, and I don't think it's quite as objectively documented as in the case of worthy so that's why i list mitchell there uh, again he's expected to check this box it's expe- uh, it's expected that he'll uh probably have a really good 40 and at the very least should have really good jumps i, I guess i if i had to speculate you know both the, the vertical and the broad jump could be like top three uh, receiver in the class for donnie mitchell so um that that's a high expectation of course and so if he doesn't have really high ranking like if he's merely you know 75th percentile or something that would be kind of disappointing actually for mitchell and i don't think you can quite so easily just wave away uh you know the the base uh decrease basically in his prospect grade that you'd have to acknowledge um you know it, it i don't know if it has a definite any one thing to do with the, his struggles this year but quentin johnson you know in, in hindsight one thing that I probably rationalized too quickly was how he ran. Um, he was he was credited with like a four five four forty at his pro day, and um, he was also listed at a higher weight, if I remember right, than what he played at. And and uh, so I, I I rationalized it like, oh, maybe he's maybe he's actually like a four four if he loses the weight, and maybe a four five isn't that bad. And you know maybe maybe because he has the elite vertical and broad jumps, it's still fine. But uh, Johnson was a guy who at TCU would win downfield and generally by you know being faster than the people chasing him and when the nfl level if he's if he's you know running at a relative speed to the defense that's just a much worse uh ratio than what it was at tcu you could have him running plays that it, that work for him at tcu and just don't work in the nfl level it's like he, he, you need a certain minimum level of speed maybe to get to these depths at a certain you know speed and if you don't have it the game might not translate so that's why i'm saying um you know it, it, it's it's just one example of course but it's it's a uh, illustrative of why mitchell needs to test well it's not like uh he, he he's got a first round shot if he runs a four five five he doesn't in my opinion okay so that there is a, a need for speed uh, yeah or if he, if he has like a 35 and a half vertical then it's like you're just kind of um you're like a third rounder now Right, yeah, that, that's it's barely even clearing a deck of cards uh, in, in today's NFL. So um, definitely needs to, to be able to get up. Um, def- yeah, definitely needs to, to test well because you know as as we broke down last week in the um, in the comparison with, with him and Worthy, you know, Ad Mitchell is getting a lot of helium for effectively worse production uh, than, than Xavier Worthy um, th- this year, and then just like n- not totally eye popping production over the course of his three years uh, in college overall. So I, th- I think you make 
a good point as far as how important this weekend is for him to, to kind of solidify things because as it stands, not totally buying him as, as like a top uh, 32 guy. I think I, I barring things going poorly, right. Yeah. Um, barring things going poorly. I, I think he, he's still like top mid or top half of the second round at, at worst. But Again, you know, if, if if things do go poorly, then you know we, we could see a fairly uh, precipitous drop, especially with, with how deep and talented that this class is expected to be. And if other p- players are able to to really kind of show out um, at the combine this weekend, uh, sticking uh, with Texas, but not going with Xavier Worthy, uh, we're taking a look at the tight end position, uh, Jatavian Sanders. Um, tell me a little bit more about him. I, I knew that he was someone that was always extremely well regarded within the Texas offense, someone that the defense has always had to account for, accommodate for, um, everything like that. But uh, you know, what what are you looking for when when it comes to him? Because as it stands, you know, no one's really talking about this tight end class other than Brock Bowers. Yeah, there's a couple other good ones. I, I honestly have to look more into uh, the tight end class still, but that Ohio State one seems pretty good. Uh, if, if, if a variety of other tight ends in this class test well enough, they could make some noise themselves. But uh, Sanders is uh, someone who you you quickly kind of notice and develop an appreciation for when you're looking at the Texas offense. So uh, I actually kind of went through a weird uh, process of uh, first, looking at Texas for for Xavier Worthy and Adonai Mitchell, and uh, even a little bit for that Whittington, uh, the, their their goon slot receiver that they have, mm-hmm. and uh, you notice like at the points, uh, par- particularly at the points where Xavier Worthy was really struggling, you know, in twenty twenty two, you'd notice that uh, it, 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 Sanders uh, Sanders was just one of these guys who who was sort of um, picking up the slack and. Uh, what, what, whereas uh, Worthy's numbers kind of went up and down a little bit over his career, Sanders was kind of like a rock in that offense. And sometimes a, a player who, who's uh, merely reliable and you know doesn't you know take over the offense. Sometimes it's because they have modest traits and uh, or some other you know limitation that just that just uh, limits them in practice. I think this is a case where, particularly if Worthy and Mitchell are both good, which is where I lean, then. Sanders uh, basically gets a little bit of a you know leniency in where you how you grade his his target share numbers like that uh, because basically if he was on a team with two bad receivers instead of those two maybe Sanders would have put up not numbers like Bowers but Bowers you know he's he's puts up numbers that are truly rare but at least numbers big enough that Sanders would be would be more of like a household name and um, I I don't know I don't have any insight on his athletic testing really I'm sort of just assuming it's good because he he looks athletic and his numbers are really good and um, players who produce the way he did at Texas generally are athletic Uh, but if he yeah if he tests a certain way I think what he might be in practice is basically Eric Ebron who instead of being a hands liability is is a plus hands player and and, you know very reliable in, in parts of the game where Ebron was not while still giving you all the same big play ability. Um, so Ebron was a guy who was, his career was basically defined by kind of being flashes of, of you know, plays that would tempt you into thinking this could be one of the best tight ends in the league. Uh, you know, they took him ahead of Odell Beckham, among other really good players. And uh, he was too inconsistent to make it all fit together. And it, it seems like, you know, San- Sanders might be one of those guys who's uh, similar trait-wise, but has more of an actual just kind of, you know, d- temperament for, for uh, playing the position. 
it, it would be nice to to like have a player be be the player that we wanted Eric Ebron to be because you yeah know, the, the the theory of that is is absolutely intoxicating. Um, just uh, a question for you when when it comes to tight ends did did the the Sam Laporta theory for you formulate fully before or after the combine last year? Uh, it was actually before the combine. Uh, he he was like on the on the radar. Like I was I was leaning toward more like three four than the five six you were hearing. But then when he ran, uh, whatever his forty time was, like it was it was like a half of a second, something like that. Uh, sorry, not a half, a tenth of a second better than than uh, Greg Dulcich, and they were at the same weight, or like Laporta was two pounds more. And so at that point, it was like okay, the the film, the production are both high grades. Didn't know what the testing was going to be, but now the testing's you know B grade at worst. By then, it was you know takes were pretty easy to fire off. I think it was it was kind of like clear by that point. I see. I see. Um, so yeah, ho- hopefully Sanders does something similar where it's like you know four if, to get greedy, something in the four or fives would be ideal. But uh, Laporta was a four or six guy. It's clearly enough, and uh, the the traits will play. If, the traits that he showed at Texas anyway will play at the depths that a four or six will get him to. Not to put you on on the spot too much, and this doesn't have to be Sanders related, but more so tight end uh, related. Is there someone that that you kind of do have your eye on for, from that position group uh, going in into this weekend? You know, beyond your, your Bowers and, and your Sanders, who you know, the, Sam Laporta's don't happen every year. Obviously, that we we I don't think right. we've ever seen a, a rookie be tight end one, um, at, at least in in the modern. Yeah, I don't era. remember that. So uh, so. I, I don't so I, I am a little behind on some of these guys and I, I do use the combine as kind of like a way to uh, filter some things so I don't basically I'm too I'm not good enough at uh, guessing the speed of, of guys based on tape for it for it to be a use, uh, useful way uh, of spending my time you know like looking at tape of guys wondering how fast they are I'll just be wrong and uh, you know have, have, have guessed for no reason so the the combine helps me kind of uh you know get a little bit of a um initial focus uh, lens to put everything through and uh stover at least i looked at his numbers and uh those numbers are pretty good you know maybe arguably better than that uh it seems like the theo johnson one is maybe expected to test really well but uh his numbers were a little wacky at penn state uh you know if, if you you know the better you test the more leniency you get for wacky production in my opinion uh, there, there's it's just a little easier uh, to imagine the player making the tweak or um you know avoiding the situation that brought them down before the bigger and faster they are so um he's he's one to to keep an eye on there but uh there, there's there's probably others that are you know or, or might be anyway others who are worth uh early mention and I, I just don't really uh, know enough at this point to, to 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 rule anybody out right now yeah i think looking at those two schools is usually a good place to to start for identifying guys that, that might test well at the combine i mean we talk, we're talking about ohio state uh, and penn state to, to me stover he looked like someone who just like could, was automatic as far as the the receptions were, were concerned he always looked a little bit lumbering to me but maybe that's also because he's playing alongside like unbelievable, you know, fast 5'11", 180 receivers outside of, you know, Marvin Harrison Jr. Um, so Weirdly, yeah, of course, hmm. I don't think Ohio State has ever had a particularly athletic tight end. Like their most athletic one lately is Ruckert probably. And then you'd mm-hmm. have to go back to like Ricky Dudley or something like that for, for the last one that was more than everybody was like Jeff Hoyerman's for like 20 years. 
That's right. Uh, boy, that, there's a name. Um, yeah. But other than that, uh, Jaheim Bell, um, I think he's gonna he's gonna test really well at, athletically. But uh, we we kind of talked about this during the Senior Bowl. The the measurements seem too like just far too much of of a tweener. Like they're basically gonna have to like invent a new position for him. Which is he like a delayed Walker type or something? Yes, um, you know okay. they like they, they would run him uh, a decent amount when he was at South Carolina. I don't think they ran him quite as much um, during his time at Florida State this past year, but um, you know, kind of a like one of the six three two thirty, I, I believe. Sometimes those guys. guys get a shot. I mean, it's not that often, but sometimes they get a shot, and um, yeah, it did, definitely someone to keep an eye on, especially since if he does get playing time, it would lend you know, very quickly to fantasy utility. Like he won't be out there to pick up the blitz, you know? No, no, that would be a pretty giant misuse of, <laughs> uh, of his skill set. He, he's, he's not here to block, um, but he, he can do uh, some, some stuff. And then outside of that, I don't know. I was lightly interested in, in the way AJ Barner produced when he was at Indiana, but okay. didn't really get asked to catch any passes when he, when he transferred to, to Michigan, Eric all, uh, leaves Michigan, goes to Iowa. I think I want to say he got hurt th- this past year. Yeah, he year, did. Though. Is what? How bad was that one? Because he looks like he sat out the rest of the way. Yeah, I don't think it was good. Unfortunately, uh, torn ACL. So. so okay, so he's not going to be testing. But um, his numbers are ambiguous to me. But they they are viable. So if 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 Eric All has uh, you know a testing uh, tendency that that's of a certain level, then. He, he's it looks like he's supposed to be pretty big so he could be both an inline and a pass catching viable guy uh he would look like he was off to a pretty fast start this year before he got hurt yeah and you know that it's of note get, going to to Iowa and actually like do you know doing something uh that offense was uh you know obviously notably abysmal this they held time. Laporta to like 600 yards and a touchdown so uh <laughs> it's brutal out there I mean, they were they were setting new record uh, lows for for like totals on their games. Like you know, you'd be watching an Iowa game, and the total would be like twenty three, and it's like I, I like the under, I love the under uh, that this week. You know, is that was that was special. Um, let's uh, let's <laughs> let's keep going with with um, with with your guys to watch at the combine. Um, let's talk a little bit more about Roman Wilson and, and Keon Coleman guys that we've mentioned as, you know, intriguing prospects um, since we've kind of di- diverted our discussion to the, to the NFL draft uh, Wilson expected to, to test well. Um, but what happens if for whatever reason, you know, he, he comes in a little bit behind in that, in that regard. Uh, if, if Roman Wilson does. Yes. Uh, sorry. Yeah. So he, I would say is less likely to have any testing concerns of these two. Like it seems pretty well documented that Wilson's going to be some version of very fast, maybe even uh, the fastest receiver. There's not anybody obviously faster than him. Right. So he's other than worthy. Sorry. What other than Xavier worthy, probably. Oh yeah. Sorry. Worthy. Yeah, you're right. So maybe worthy, but if not worthy, then Wilson would be uh, the, the fastest receiver 40 wise in this class. So, uh, he he's he's um if he tests the way that the expectation is leaning uh he could get, he could be one of these guys who sort of gets gets referred to as like a workout warrior or like a late riser because he basically did not get as much opportunity as a receiver in college as pretty much everybody else you know the any anybody in this combine invitation probably uh 
had more you know targets in their career going into this year than than him uh so that that's not just uh or rather it's it's not at all necessarily something that was under his control it's like michigan doesn't throw much they they take full advantage of what their defense can do they don't really throw in second halves and uh if you're not in the top two at, at the depth chart at receiver you just won't get targets and sometimes there's a fifth year senior ahead of you and you're just a junior and you might be the better prospect but the coaches like him a little bit more you know on uh, august 28th or something so uh it, it's not necessarily wilson's uh it's not necessarily an indication of wilson's skill set at all that his numbers are ambiguous and so uh if the com if the you know at the combine he tests a certain way um you start it, it starts to get easier to give him the benefit of the doubt for those numbers being that way it's it's um you know, it takes a leap of faith, in my opinion, a little bit either way, but it's it's just a lot easier to take that leap when someone, if he, if he for instance, runs like a 4-3-2, it's like, at the very worst, this guy will end up being like a, you know, 700 snap decoy player for us who, who catches like 60 passes or something. Uh, it's not what you hope for specifically, but it, it becomes the floor conversation for a guy like him if he runs the way uh, he's expected to. But on the other hand, if he if he only runs like a four four six, uh, it's not fair exactly maybe, but that's despite being a generally good time, not going to be good enough for a guy like him. Like he, he both because um, he's been billed as faster than that, and because uh, the numbers at Michigan they get a little more difficult to rationalize, in my opinion. If if he's if he's not giving you that clear uh, safety pulling speed, but uh, the good news is it it seems it would be pretty big upset if if uh, Wilson did not run um at least like a four four or better four four flat or better and i think he will um and uh, i bet the the jumps should be solid as, as well yeah the 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 overall like vo- like counting stat type of production for roman wilson that this year during his college career is not going to wow you the the efficiency though when you when you take a little closer look under the hood you know quite solid you know 11 or just about 12 yards of target this this past year which is you know yeah, about this year three yards great. clear insane uh, about 3 yards clear um of of the team baseline caught 25% of Michigan's touchdowns um so i mean he he did what he could but you know i, I think to your point um when when uh the the just sheer sheer volume uh, doesn't really scree- screech out to you. Uh, you do need to have some testing to to back it up and and really make uh, the the strong efficiency metrics uh, stick a little bit more. And then on the other side of it, you know what what are we looking at with, with Keon Coleman, who continues to just be uh, you know this guy who's who's very polarizing. I, I think he has some some pretty ardent defenders who uh, you know would say that he's a top twenty type of talent. I think the numbers say that he's not, or at least that this past year, you know, like the 7.3 uh, yards per target, which was below the Florida State baseline, uh, the, the poor catch rate th- this past year, it, again, even relative to, to Florida State, which didn't have the most uh, efficient passing attack uh, in the world, uh, you know, does make you worry a little bit. But at the same time, uh, y- you mentioned what he had done previously and, and some other uh, details there. So, you know, what 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 are we expecting when it comes to, to Coleman specifically this weekend? He should test very well in the vertical and broad jumps at the very least. But in my opinion, there's, you know, a, a magnitude, at least more concern with Coleman than with Wilson, just because Coleman could, he could be some version of a freakish athlete and still be 
something other than fast. And uh, if you want to rationalize numbers like you had at Florida State, it, it would be helpful to have him, you know, running a, I don't know, four, four, five or something like that, if we can get greedy. But uh, my concern with, with Coleman is he might be more like a four, I don't know, five, four guy who just has crazy jumps. And there's certainly use for that. That doesn't, uh, that doesn't mean he's, he's doomed or anything. It's just in a class that's this strong, I think for Coleman to be in the first round, he'd have to kind of steal the show, including from guys like Mitchell, and I just don't, uh, I don't know. It's, I, I will say the, the best case for Coleman, the, the pro Coleman case, I think doesn't uh, rely at all on his Florida state numbers or his Florida state highlights, but rather the season at Michigan state where he, he pretty much kept up with Jaden Reed in that Michigan state offense. And you know, Jaden Reed, uh, at least a year, maybe two years older than Coleman. So, uh, maybe three for all I know. And, uh, if you can keep up with a guy like Reed, you can only be so bad. Even if it's only, you know, 10 or 11 games or whatever it was, it's just, we know Reed is very good. We know Reed, or in my opinion, Reed should have been a first round pick in hindsight. Not that I would have called that at the time, but I think he's shown uh, that he is that good. And Coleman kept up with him. So uh, that's the best case for him. And maybe I should look more at that season than the one at Florida state. Like maybe there's point blank, just more insight in the Michigan state season. Uh, but whereas Wilson was always efficient and, and only had, uh, you know, limited volume issues at, at Michigan. Uh, Coleman has just modest volume and uh, with Florida state in particular, the efficiency was just not there. So my concern is he might be a little bit of a stunt guy, uh, a receiver who makes a lot of cool catches and uh, plays above the rim a lot. But I, I think you have uh, in the past seen some uh, some some players who have the, that same description and they really struggle to produce in the NFL pretty much because they th- their stunts don't work anymore. And they, they have to they have to uh, make up the difference by improving in the areas that they might have been deficient uh, skill set wise. And that to me is is kind of like a project player. So I uh, I'm open to to different uh you know theories on Coleman, but for me, he's more around uh, something like the 60th pick than the first round. Uh, however, if you know the better he tests, the the more I have to think twice about that. But I, I just worry that he basically is not naturally uh, polished enough as a as a wide receiver for wide receiver skill set questions, and might be more like just someone who can jump over mailboxes and stuff like that. And think of a stuntman, and th- this is not a fair uh, characterization of, of his career, but like, I feel like Brandon Lloyd was awesome at stunt catches. Brandon Lloyd was legit, also as well. Yeah, right, uh, he exactly. Was, he was sick, but he was, believe it or not, he was slow. He was he re- he ran like a four six at one eighty five or something, but he, he put up big numbers at a uh, Illinois anyway. Who I actually think Coleman might be a genre wise similar to the uh, the. Coleman is much more rugged than this guy I'm about to name, but Denzel Mims is in that category to me. Like this guy who has tons of highlight catches and you know, plenty of touchdowns, stuff like that. But Mims had always uh, struggled to keep above the Baylor baseline until he was an overaged prospect. Uh, he was like 22 and a half or something. And that's when his efficiency caught up before that. He was always dragging down the team baseline, uh, especially with a bad catch rate. And uh, I don't know if, 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 if it turns out, you know, that Mims, was a bust because all he could do was jump in a, you know, above people and catch a ball. 
uh, in a phone booth, then the 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 warning of that was kind of lying in in that you know below baseline production at that the that particular age range. Yeah, so that that's an important uh, you know angle to to take with with some of like the historical data, uh, you know, like like we were talking about with with the combine. Yeah, Mims being a, a very good uh, re- recent example. I didn't think he was gonna gonna. He's a lot skinnier. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's a lot skinnier than Coleman, but but also probably a lot faster than Coleman. So uh, we'll see though. If Coleman runs, if if Col- Coleman kills it in the forty, then um, you know, I I just I, I cannot have that concern anymore. Uh, with, with Coleman, do you, just kind of like conventionally speaking, do you like a receiver with with that type of frame? Like you know, the the six four two fifteen. The is frame that, is, is great. Just, yeah. Okay. I mean, and it's also a great frame for the kind of playing style that he has exhibited to this point you know it's like uh we know a guy like him needs to live on the sideline needs to play above the rim and uh he's got the build for it he's definitely got i I think we can also assume he's got the hops for it you know the broad jump vertical stuff like that but um yeah the way the the way speed would come into it and that's that's the one yeah the one the one crucial one for 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 coleman i think is, is the 40 it's that if you want to be a downfield receiver if you want to live at the sideline you got to get there fast enough for your quarterback and within like a you know five-step drop or whatever and uh you can't get jammed up you can't uh be f- failing to separate and you can't er, generally anyway in the nfl you can't live on just always winning at the catch point even though someone else is also there it's uh it's a it's a bit role that players like that end up in they end up being just the the trick shot players and um, yeah, I think I think there's a slight risk of that with Coleman if if his if his other elements aren't rounded out well. We look out, folks. You know, we we could we have a wide range, and uh, you know, one of them could be uh, Javon Wims or something. Um, so don't I will that. say I think he's safe from that. But uh, you know, if you're going in like the first round, you gotta be you gotta be good. You know, can't be just Max. some guy. <laughs> no, you cannot. Can't be Michael yeah. Jenkins or something, and you know, whatever the hell. Oh man, no, there's a guy. Um, all right, let's let's get um a couple of running backs uh in, into the mix here. Uh, but before then, we got a quick message uh, from our friends over at Blue Wire. This Rotowire podcast is brought to you by my favorite meal kit, Factor. I gave Factor a try, and I can tell you firsthand, eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every meal arrives fresh, not frozen, and they're chef-crafted, dietitian-approved and ready to go in just two minutes. Every week, you'll have over 35 different options to choose from, and there's something for every diet, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto, and there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. So what are you waiting for? Get started today and get after those wellness goals. One of my favorite things about Factor is the convenience. We're talking meals that are good to go in two minutes or less. You could fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals, they're ready to heat and eat wherever you are. There's no prep, there's no mess, no cooking, no cleanup, none of that. It's perfect if you have a busy lifestyle and you can't dedicate an hour plus each day to preparing lunch or preparing dinner. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Factor also offers options for every meal. Pancakes, smoothies, you name it. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, dinner, whatever you need, Factor has it. Factor is also tailored to your schedule, so you can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals each week. Plus, you could pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. We've done the math. We've run the numbers over here. Factor is less expensive than takeout, 
and every meal is dietitian approved to be both nutritious and delicious. Head over to factormeals.com slash rotowire50 and use the code rotowire50. That'll get you 50% off your order. That's code rotowire50 at factormeals.com slash rotowire50 to get 50% off today. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, we got some big running backs that, that you wrote on. Audric Estime, Trey Benson, and Braylon Allen. Estime... 233 pounds listed uh, during his time at Notre Dame. Really impressive he stuff. Looks bigger than that. He is a load, folks. Um, and then you got Trey Benson, uh, who interestingly, I believe, used to uh, split some time with one Bucky Irving when they, when they were at Oregon, I want to say. And then uh, Braylon Allen, who, man, I thought he'd be so much better production-wise. Uh, you know, that, that freshman year that he had, it's like – is he a top five running back in the country right now? And, and uh, you know, I think Wisconsin people who, you know, have, have a lot of great running backs to, to point to in Badger history. I think that he, after that freshman year would have been considered on that trajectory, but you know, things got a little herky jerky uh, midway through his sophomore year with the program itself with Paul Christ, I believe getting the, the ax, uh, not the trophy acts, but like getting fired. Um, well, the new then, guy was weird, right? Because he was he liked that uh that pickle like Chez. Chez. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He can't he can't put a Chez on the field. No. Uh, but yeah, there was there seemed to be like a stylistic inclination toward the smaller, quicker back, and Braylon Allen, of course, being whatever <laughs> he's going to be like what five eleven two forty eight or something like that. Uh, we'll see. It, it's it's uh it's not the it's not the Part, uh, it's not like the perfect trope of a a speed back who catches a bunch of passes, you know, and it seems like the new uh, Wisconsin coach Fickle uh, was more into like spread kind of stuff than Chris was. True, true. So but when it comes down to it, though, but between these guys, you know, what, what are you looking for? Because it, again, you know, I, I think as you kind of correctly characterize that if, if you're a team in need of a guy that can push the pile and then some, in this particular class, like you have three guys who, who definitely you know fit that bill, we think. 
uh, but between Estime, Allen, and Trey Benson. Yeah, and I don't mean to uh, flatten them all into the exact same uh, you know category, but they're all two thirty plus, and so th- that's always a unique you know that that's going into uh you know deeper waters at that point and so uh they all qualify as bigger backs i think benson is the one who profiles the worst as far as what you were describing like the power short yardage kind of stuff he just seems almost um like he's a huge back but he's more kind of uh maybe graceful than than uh rugged or at least um i feel like he he maybe needs a little bit more room to function to, uh, to get his stride fully going than, than uh, Allen or estimate. And uh, once, once Benson hits the open field though, you see he probably has a different gear than those two, certainly a different gear than Allen. In my opinion, like I'm worried basically that Allen's going to run something like a four, seven. Uh, I don't know what estimate is going to run. I've, I've been, I go back and forth looking at his tape, which you know I probably just shouldn't even try uh, to guess it. There's some plays where he looks like he might be surprisingly fast, and then some others where I'm like, is, is that is that a four seven? Also, uh, I can't tell. Uh, however, I do think Estime is going to test better than Allen, and I think Benson will uh, run faster than both of them. Benson has the big playability almost. He's he's um. I actually think his his ideal role would be something like in a run heavy offense. He's a one A one B kind of guy who is is a powerful back yes but plays an explosive role for you like you give him basically like florida state was you know like 15 14 carries a game because he can get you 90 yards or he can get you a 40 yard touchdown and stuff like that um but if you want to just hammer you know like a battering ram right between the guards i think estimate and uh yeah i think i like estimate the most i mean he he he's a violent runner uh allen pretty violent too allen definitely overpowers some guys but I feel like Estime is sort of um, th- there's like a thrashing sort of element to the way he runs. Like he, for a big back, does a lot of ambitious stop, start juking kind of stuff. And it looks, it almost looks like um, for a second, it's going to be like an NBA 2K when you try to do some like juke move with a seven foot six guy who can't do it. And he just like stumbles and drops the ball. Oh, you, yeah. you almost worry that Estime is going to do that with some of these moves, but he just keeps, keeps landing it. And uh, it, it, you know, he he seems to me like he's the most um, I don't know what you call it, like flexible of three. He's got the best like uh, lean and uh, anchor kind of stuff. Uh, the, all that stuff's estimates strength and probably Benson's weakness. And so uh, that's that's the other thing with Benson is like he's just not as dense as the other two. He's uh he, he's taller and lighter, so he 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 can turn the corner, and that might be where he's best actually. Even though he's you know two thirty plus or, or might be. Interesting. All right. So that that's a good breakdown on these three. I always really like Trey Benson um, throughout throughout his college career. Estimate didn't really catch my eye until this past year, but Notre Dame has, you know, kind of famously been struggling to like really pick a lane with, with its running backs in, in recent years, w- whether it was under Brian Kelly um, or Marcus Freeman. But Estimate was obviously the dude this year, and he was a lot of fun to watch um, on, on that Notre yeah. Dame team that, that, you know, and it obviously ended up. Uh, being pretty good. Um, Jalen Wright is, is someone uh, that, that is really getting a, a decent amount of hype. I, I think that the part of the deal uh, when it comes to him and, and the rest of this running back class is like so much could be settled uh, by, by the testing that this weekend it's wide open, that, that it's hard to find a consensus 
uh, running back one. You know, we, we've even yeah. kind of seen uh, the fading of Blake Corum as, as the lock uh, to be the RB1. So I think, you know, whoever it is could be effectively crowned this weekend. And in Jalen Wright's case, um, you know, you're, you're not going to find I- at least the history of being a workhorse, but you're also going to have a guy that played in the SEC and ran for over a thousand yards on under 140 carries uh, th- this past season. So that's pretty insane. I mean, averaging 7.4 yards per carry oh, yeah. in uh, on that schedule where Tennessee pl- has to play Alabama and Georgia every single year. Like I- I'm interested. Yeah, definitely. So, Previously, I probably overestimated Corum's standing in the class. I still think he's good, but um, basically, he he's he's not fast and he's not big. And if you are in, if you're an NFL team who wants someone who is point blank fast at running back, that team I don't know might not take Corum until like the fifth round or something. For all I know, whereas with Jalen Wright, uh, this is a guy who's going to. Uh, test some version of very very well in the 40 I, th- I think it would not be terribly shocking if he ran i don't know what the fastest times the past couple of years were but it would not be shocking in my opinion if at 210 r- if right ran something like i don't know like a 435 40 something like that that, that would be very fast and he doesn't need to run that he can run you know a 445 and it would still be like hey that 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 big play guy from Tennessee, he's fast, right? Yeah, and he ran a four four five. Like, okay, that works. But a four three five kind of thing at two ten is a more unique uh, category of you know weight and speed at the same time. He's not a big back at two ten, but if you have four three five speed, that's just that's the kind of speed you normally see with guys who are like one hundred and eighty pounds. You know, so if if you're if you're uh, two ten and you're running like that, you're you're doing just fine you're you're probably doing um so to me the one thing i will say is like i don't see any reason to think jalen wright's a better prospect and i think he's the same category of prospect just older of israel abanaconda but uh wright is a lot older going into this draft than abanaconda was coming out of um pittsburgh so uh he shouldn't you know he's not gonna be 20 years old i assume anyway going into uh october or whatever but uh, that I think might have had something to do with the Benaconda's kind of like cold reception. Is is teams basically were looking at him like, well, I don't want to have to put him on the you know the the scout team for three years just so he can walk in free agency and go be better for another team. You know, like Wright doesn't have that concern. He can at the very least plug into an offense for a you know rotational speed role. Like he, there's there's um. Now, to jinx the guy, I don't think there's any risk of Wright just basically getting redshirted this year like Abanaconda was. Well, uh, looking at some at some recent examples uh, like, uh, of larger backs who, who ran the, the sub 4-4, Isaiah Pacheco uh, looks like he he checked that box. <laughs> yeah, that's a t- Pacheco was such a weird case because you kind of had to remember how bad Rutgers really was and sort of accept that it's possible for a guy with like a 3.4 rushing average or whatever it was that one year. It's like if you had to accept or, or can, you know, consider the possibility that it's that you can run that poorly and it not be your fault. Um, but yeah, I, I think um, Pacheco uh, going in and in hindsight, it's safe to say like he was fast, you know, had good anchor, ran really hard, had no vision at all. I don't know what Wright's vision 
variable is, it, it might be pretty good. I do worry a little bit about his ability to scale up as a runner. Like, I don't think, uh, particularly if Wright runs like Pacheco does, like, I don't think there's reason to think Wright would hold up with that kind of uh, workload. It's just, it's a violent thing. So, not the same kind of player, but that in terms of the threshold of yeah, two ten plus and, and that speed, it's it's a it's a pretty unique company. I remember distinctly Jalen Wright, like I think it was the first play of the game for for Tennessee against uh, Georgia this past year. He just yeah. ran past the entire Georgia defense. Yeah, he looked like down. he looked like he was going crazy fast on that play. So we'll see you know, sometimes look at that some, yeah sometimes it's just uh tricks of the tape you know sometimes guys aren't quite as fast or slow as they look but that was that was one of those plays where you almost like you were expecting to hear a whistling sound or something when he when mm-hmm. he was running it was just uh it, it looked funny that like that level of fast yeah and you know that that was a secondary full of fast guys that are probably going to be playing on sundays yeah uh, a bunch of those guys gave up they were like they weren't um they didn't have an angle quite but they were they were key, they were trying to gain a little bit at the end and they were all giving up at like the 10 and 15 yard line and stuff so uh they they don't do that they they some of those guys probably never have done that in their lives yeah and again like that was the first play of the game like you yeah that you would think you're 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 at max effort but jalen wright broke their spirit if only uh for a moment then uh, the dogs pretty much they got flat business the rest <laughs> of the way yeah it's it pretty good um Let's see. Um, let's get to uh, some of the the smaller uh, school running backs and, and ones that that are a little bit maybe under the radar um, for this weekend. Um, let's hit the, these two. Is it FCS? Both of these guys, uh, Dylan Lobb yeah. and, and J- Jaden Sheridan. So yeah, um, they uh, you're gonna have to explain to the know. class. Yeah, I don't even know if Monmouth is technically FCS. Is, is there something lower than FCS? There isn't, right? There's there's division. There's like division three. two. Or division mm-hmm. three. Okay. Um, so anyway, uh, Monmouth is, I don't even know if I'm saying that right. Probably not. That's where Jaden Sheridan played at. And I, I couldn't help but notice he came in listed a bit smaller than uh, I, I, f- I believe he was listed as something like 195 or 190 at Monmouth. At a, I'm going to try to pull this up right now because I was, I was really surprised by this. Uh, yeah, they listed it. Uh, Monmouth listed Jaden Sheridan at 5'9, 195. NFL.com is listening him at 57187. So that's a pretty big difference. And if you're 57187, you're you're point blank not playing, you know, you're not you're not playing 600 snaps this year. You might play something like 400 500, but you're not you're not getting 20 carries, you're not uh, getting, you know, you're not getting a, a starting role unless somebody's hurt is is how that pretty much goes so uh we'll see maybe he'll maybe he'll measure in a little bit more like 190 195 or something like that uh would be very dense at five seven but it's it's still something that would be good for him uh relative to the alternative and um everything with shirt and otherwise is just guessing because you know the level of competition is pretty uh negligible and like the only other Monmouth player I even remember getting in the NFL is just uh, Miles Austin, actually. Right. And uh, yeah, it's it's just those two guys pretty much. But it's interesting because the last two years, uh, I believe this was uh, 22 games, Sheridan averaged 19.4 carries per game at 7.5 yards per carry. So he's not going to take on that kind of workload in the NFL, but it does speak 
uh, positively to his his skill set and his uh, everything basically you know his work habits his ability to handle punishment everything football related it it it, it reflects well on him to take on that level of volume and then to to keep that level of efficiency seven and a half yards a carry like that's seven and a half yards per carry kind of running back is usually a guy who's just a drawback getting you know eight to ten twelve maybe carries per game they're not getting 19.4 and uh he, he also had a really good touchdown rate like at least one per game i want to say so uh not many guys have produced uh, in terms of the volume efficiency threshold not many guys have, have produced as runners like Sheridan at any level, including the FCS. So, uh, for instance, uh, I think it was Jalen. It was the, it was uh, uh, the McLaughlin running back. Uh, oh, Jaleel? For, yeah, Jaleel McLaughlin. He is the, I believe he's the FCS all-time rushing yardage uh, record holder. Um, so you, you saw how he went from pretty much a workhorse back to just a uh, you know, drawback gadget kind of guy, 15 snaps per game kind of guy. That is the risk for Sheridan. Like, it, it, there's a risk that that's his ceiling. Like, maybe he will be a guy that gets into to, to practice, and they're like, "This, he's he's you know breaking everybody's ankles. We got to get him the ball." You can see with a guy like McLaughlin how it, the theory doesn't necessarily come through in the practice because it's just hard to end up in situations that call for a running back who weighs less than 190 pounds. And uh, but I, I I don't know. I'm 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 cautiously optimistic just because uh, yeah, guys don't produce like Sheridan did and um if he were slow or something it would, if, if he's not fast rather it would just be kind of difficult to explain like how did you even do that what or at least why why isn't your whole offensive line at the combine with you like how did how did this even happen uh yeah and i will say also he took more carries per game than mclaughlin i think mclaughlin capped out at like 15.2 or something like that at youngstown state and hey i, I think if you're an fcs guy especially as a rookie like for mclaughlin to, to do what he did this year like that's that's an A plus outcome for him. Oh, like, totally, I think. yeah. So if if he can get somewhere close to that, J- Jaden Sheridan, uh, then that's a, a huge win for him. Um, and and I'm when it comes to the small school guys, I'm always rooting for him. So uh, I'm hoping that that he uh, pull, pulls it off uh, th- this weekend, gets himself on, on the radar, gets himself uh, drafted. Uh, Dylan Lobb, it, it, among the the smaller school guys, I'd say is a little bit more. "Quote unquote mainstream." I, I feel like I've I've heard of this guy. He's at the Maybe Senior Bowl. Ball, mm-hmm. and he became a meme because he had uh, forty catches or whatever against Central Michigan in one game. Oh uh, yeah, remember he had, he had a game where he had like eighteen catches for two hundred and eighty yards or something like that. Against, I think I, against, I forgot to project that in in whatever the week zero DFS game that was. Sorry, folks. Yeah. Uh, well, what you didn't foresee probably was how every time. New Hampshire through a, a really basic, not even really like a screen. It's more like just a toss. They wait a second to do. They just toss it to law, but not right away. That was kind of what the play was. And Central Michigan just somehow completely disappeared. It wasn't even really like parting the sea kind of thing. It was just the defense just all of a sudden wasn't on the field. And it, it, it felt like some kind of, uh, I don't know, either a joke or like a Twilight Zone kind of thing, honestly. Uh, so he, that, he has pass catching ability. He is a a plus pass catcher. I think we can assume, but if you looked at just the numbers from that central Michigan game, you could kind of come up with like a goofy uh, picture. That that was, that was like half of his receiving yardage in the whole year, you know? So 
one game, it, Central Michigan's fault that whoever was running the defense that day really blew it. Somebody really blew it that day. Uh, Laub is still good, though. Uh, it's not just Central Michigan, you know, making making a career for him. Uh, he was actually a high-volume runner at New Hampshire, but not very explosive. So, you know, Sheridan, he he was super explosive at 7.5 yards per carry. Laub would be at, like, 5.2 and 4.8 and stuff like that. Um, still doing a good job and, you know, carrying that offense still doing really well as a pass catcher, uh, but not explosive specifically as a runner. So I think whereas lob was a, as a high volume runner, moderate volume pass catcher at for New Hampshire in the NFL, he's going to be a minimum volume runner, maybe though high volume pass catcher. So we'll see. And uh, you know, the better that he tests at the combine, the better it is to, um, project him as an NFL pass catcher but uh just just looking at the way that he catches the ball looking at his numbers it's not all the central michigan game he had he had totally good pass catching production aside from that especially when you factor in how many carries he was already taking too so you scale back the carries a lot you might be able to scale up the catches a little bit too and if you're if you're catching four passes a game a little bit scaled up in the pass catching is you know six catches and that's uh league leading category right there so uh i think the, the Generally, this this running back class's theme is that maybe it's not quite as bad as uh, I was referring to it previously, but it is very much wide open in a way that I can't really remember. Uh, still lacks, you know, star power, but there might be guys like Laub who can play roles that are just a little different than they did in college uh, in ways that you know account for the fact that they lack traits, maybe otherwise. You know, and he, he, Laub might not be able to carry an offense like he did in New Hampshire, but he might have been able to catch six or seven passes per game that whole time for New Hampshire too. And they just, you know, didn't have a reason to be using them that way. So the, the 2013 NFL draft class kind of gets uh, brought up as, as uh, not, not a, a great one, not a banner one, you know, not, not a ton of uh, huge success stories, at least in the the early going one? in that one. Um, I don't remember if it was the Bishop Sankey one, but it did be have guys then. like, uh, it had Gio Bernard, Le'Veon Bell, and these were all later uh, draft picks. Uh, uh, Monty Ball and uh, Eddie Lacy. <laughs> Eddie Lacy would have freaking rocked if he didn't have too much China food. But yeah, I know, uh, man, he, he was a monster. He Eddie Lacy was running back one uh, at, at one point. He was he was sick. Um, yes. But yeah, he 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 likes uh, he, he likes the snacks. Um, <laughs> anyway, this this class I think is. I don't want to say it's worse. You, you might get um, you might get a lot of a surprisingly high number of quality snaps from this class, but you won't see anyone lead the way in my opinion. You know, not many. To me, it's pretty much guys like Estime, uh, uh, Corum. Uh, actually, I suppose that might be about it. Maybe Irving, but other than that, it's just guys who have sort of they seem to be trending towards specialist functions or just off-the-bench roles as totally useful players, but ones without perfectly rounded games, and and uh, maybe their limitations lead to them platooning in various ways. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I think uh, there there will be more production from this class and and more production from the Saint than from the Sankey class. Uh, just maybe not, in as, not as much through one or two players as we'd like, maybe. So... Uh, beyond that, I mean, you, you did mention two small school guys, so I, I feel like we, we've done a good job of, of uh, peering through some potential, you know, kind of deeper sleepers uh, that, that you're paying attention to for, for this weekend. But um, just kind of 
open up the floor to you and I'll chip in with, with a couple of mine as well. But um, any other kind of under the radar, not really getting a lot of, of buzz type of running backs uh, that you think uh, you know might, might actually find themselves on the radar after this weekend? It's wide open enough that pretty much everybody has a shot. You know, it's it's um, maybe we don't have perfect clarity going out of it, but but lots of guys have a shot. I, I think um, as much as I still have Corum ranked running back one, and as much as I think I'm leaning toward Estime as like the highest upside potentially one, uh, I, st- I still think I still think um, Bucky Irving. I don't know. I'm I'm only basing it on the vibes and you know some of the stats. The stats are good, but the, the the just watching the tape, I thought he looked like he was making a lot of NFL plays. So um, I know he's not an, an uh, um, not an anonymous player exactly, but I'd like to see Irving test like Oregon players usually do, and not so much like Minnesota players do. You know where he transferred from. If he's if he's an Oregon level athlete, then he's a running back one candidate to me. Even though it's it sounds like I got him far down the list, I don't really mean him to be. It's a uh, uh, it's 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 a list anyone can jump to the top of. Otherwise, going way deeper, I still. I don't have any reason to think they'll test well, but I am curious about guys like Dylan Johnson at Washington. Like he's, he's just got a good uh, frame and caught. I don't know. He must've caught like 111 passes or something. The past uh, few years or something. And uh, otherwise Kimani Vidal might be uh, from Troy. He might be, he's probably going to test poorly, but he might be something like another CJ Anderson type or something like that. Like I, part of the theme there being extremely stout, uh, very much an anchor based runner, but he had really great numbers at Troy. He seems to kind of um, have a, have a really good anchor, a good ability to lean into contact and slide off of it and just keep going and do that over and over and over while wearing down the defense. Like that was Vidal's game at Troy. And uh, yeah, I'd, I'd like to see him test in a viable way so that it, that he, remains a guy with a shot even though it, it might be considered a long shot right now yeah he was he was a boss uh at troy like they they uh, I love they ran day, actually yeah how can you not like it, he's he's basically like they're handing it off to a fire hydrant in in the battlefield yeah. and it's like good luck uh tackling him amazing production for for him over over the last uh couple of seasons so in on any sort of uh kamani vidal hype uh, coming out of this weekend, uh, I got a couple uh, for you that, that I mentioned uh, to you before the show. Um, I tweeted this one out on Tuesday, but Isaac Garendo, I think he's someone oh, that that, that uh, he could he could have the fastest forty of any running back uh, in the, in this class. That's not to say that that he is going to be drafted anywhere earlier that, than uh, day three, even with. Uh, well, he might be your Pacheco. I mean, he could, he's got the he's, same he's, frame. He, yeah, he's a big guy. Um, just he never really took on a, a huge role. I think you know part of that playing at Wisconsin uh, when you had to to compete behind Braylon Allen and and some other guys, uh, Ches Malusi for whatever reason, uh, just didn't really work out for him. But when he got chances, uh, his sophomore and junior years, averaged seven and, and six yards a carry in those really small samples, but you know, not nothing, uh, and five touchdowns on 64 carries uh, as a junior. Transfers to Louisville this past year. Um, splits carries with Jawar J- Jordan, who I'm also interested in for, for this yeah. weekend. Uh, 132 carries, 
810 yards and 11 touchdowns. Like that's you know, John. If hmm. he tests the way that you've pointed out, Gorendo, I think, ends up in the same category actually as Benson. Uh, even though Benson's a bit heavier, these are both guys that you're you're probably not giving more than 12 carries per game to. But if they're you know ripping off six yards a carry, it's it's uh, it's a good thing. Yes, yes, it is. So I mean, I, I, he does have a track background. Uh, I even went to the trouble of of looking up some like Indiana State track uh, records uh, for, too, from John. from days of yore. So <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, I want. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying it's to, a fast I'm, time. I'm guessing he's a good 20 pounds heavier than the one that he was credited with in high school. But the the one that he ran in high school is basically a four three flat or something like that. And um, if if he runs a four floor flat, that's that's still okay. That's still pretty fast. But uh, if he somehow still has that time in him, he I think would it would be him in the Tennessee uh, and right. Those two would be pretty easily the the two fastest forties at running back. Yeah, to to quote the great tenacious D, that do anything for you? It's levitation, Holmes. So yeah, I'm I'm hoping uh, that that he's able to uh, to burn it up on the track that this weekend. Um, I thought that, or I always really liked um, out of TCU, Amani Bailey. Um, oh, he was, nice. He was productive during his time at at um, Louisiana. I thought he was grossly underused uh, the year that TCU went to the national championship. Yeah. Um, you know, lo- losing out on carries to like Amari DiMercato, I didn't think that that was warranted. Uh, but this past year, 223 carries, 1,209 yards. It was kind of an a, a, uh, anonymous uh, TCU team this year, you know, that really fell quickly from uh, the national spotlight, basically from the, the first week of the season onward. But it basically it proved to me that with volume, he could really produce. Um, so count me in as interested in seeing what, what he's able to do. Um, athletic testing wise, because, you know, I've, I've had my eye on him for, for a bit and I just tend to have, have a certain level of trust in these, um, guys who came out of like the late Billy Napier, uh, Louisiana offenses, not now at Florida, uh, the, you know, Billy is not done so good for himself there. <laughs> uh, he's probably going to get fired this year, but otherwise, um, did like Imani Bailey. So that, those are my like main sleepers. Unfortunately, uh, Rashina Lee's dealing with, with the torn biceps. So, uh, not not going to be able to to test uh, Dylan Johnson. I definitely agree with you. Where he kind of ran the full gamut of like running back tasks during his time in college, like at Miss State, being under a Mike Leach offense, like he just caught a zillion passes. And then this year, used more conventionally, he ran uh, extremely well, ran for over a thousand yards. So he proved that he can do both of those things. Weighs about two hundred twenty pounds. Like, yeah, that that's those are those are things that definitely. Hey man. Everyone liked Roshan Johnson so much because he could pick up the blitz or whatever. Like Dylan Johnson can do that for you. If if you need someone who's 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 been in the the pass drill literally like five hundred times, it's Dylan Johnson, and he's he's got the frame for it too. Yes, and then um, you know my Georgia guys, Dejan Edwards and um, and Kendall Milton, both of those guys, uh, I think are interesting. I, I think both of them need to prove uh, some stuff to in order to get themselves drafted. I, I'm, I'm worried that Dejan Edwards isn't a great athlete, but he was a very like smart, uh, good vision type of runner during his time at Georgia. Uh, Kendall Milton, kind of like the more higher touted uh, type of running back, but someone that uh, he ran into the back of his own blockers a lot, which really bothered me. But I don't know. <laughs> That's not going to happen in, in the test. John game. has never said a bad word about a Georgia player until now. <laughs> So this yeah. this Milton guy must be a real 
a, a real rascal. He yeah no he chat I I got chapped by by um by Milton on occasion because I had really really high hopes for him like dating back to to his freshman year and uh, not a sleeper but I do expect Marshawn Lloyd to, to have a really nice uh, combine as well. He should test really well. His only problem is the fumbles. But yeah, before before I saw how many times he fumbled, I was starting to think that uh, Lloyd was the most um the the best combination of like density and explosiveness and speed and he sh- he should test really well uh, there's no fumble test that i'm aware of no that there's not so um people will just pick on him uh later for for that but for now the fumbles won't be as much of a concern um let's uh let's round this out i think i've said what i needed to say as far as the fastest running back and uh for the 40 and you have as well jalen Wright and isaac garendo are kind of our guys um but if you would just kind of let us know who you think are going to be some of like the 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 standout testers among the fantasy relevant guys uh for this weekend well yeah like we let off with uh roma Duse should test uh, especially like the overall profile should be great uh, not good it might be better than great so he might not be top five in the 40 but he'll probably uh, some some kind of composite measure he might be first in the wide receiver group or i, I kind of expect that actually I expect him to be kind of some kind of like first composite wise but um yeah i think uh wilson and worthy are going to be the fastest in the 40 if i had to pick one i'd say worthy just because he's he sometimes those guys with the long track histories are just kind of you know they run 40s like you or I check the mail or something. And uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's uh, maybe easier for them to make the, the, the field speed translate directly to the track time. Uh, so he, he should test really, he should run really, really, really fast in the 40 and uh, jumps. I guess it would be uh, Mitchell's got to be way up there and Mitchell and Coleman, I guess for the jumps. Yeah, I got Coleman for for the jumps too. Um, you know, the, the basketball background dr- really draws me to that, and yeah, I think yeah. he's going to be able to to get up there uh, for sure. But other receivers that I would watch for in the forty is you know like uh, either doing something for their stock or, or maybe like finishing in the top five at the position group. I feel like Taz Walker's really fast. Um, and oh, I is he? Like, okay. I think so. If he sure. is, then I have to like him more. I couldn't tell whether he was fast. His numbers are are decent at least. So if he's fast, I'll have to take him more seriously. Yes. So here's hoping that he's able to do that. Um, there, there's some other stuff to his game that I'm not like totally sold on, but I do feel like he he should be fast. And then I feel like Jamari Thrash might might put down a pretty decent time too. He might. Yeah. I couldn't really tell with his tape, but when a guy that skinny draws that many targets you have to assume he's he's getting away from people somewhere or another and then uh th- this isn't super germane to to this drill in particular but i've noticed some malik washington hype out of virginia have you seen any of that yeah i was actually looking at him more uh, the last couple days and he's he's got certain things going for him i i think we can say he's got uh, good hands and he's he's super dense. It's it's just tough to tell what that means exactly. It's not not for all tasks is it necessarily ideal to be as dense as possible. And he's pretty freaking dense. Like he's he's gonna be like five eight one ninety something maybe. Uh, and particularly when you throw in the Virginia detail, I'm like immediately thinking of Olamide Zacchaeus. Uh, but uh, who who by the way Zacchaeus was a total monster at Virginia. So it's it's um. 
uh, he was no bum and you, you see how hard it is to make it in the nfl when a guy like that still just kind of ends up you know being a backup but uh yeah five eight one ninety slot receiver i um I, I get he's, he's he's gonna make some team he's gonna probably play a little bit i just don't know if i expect uh washington to emerge as more than like a slot guy and when you're a slot guy i i think you want to he might want to just give up some of the bulk to become a little quicker and faster because it's, it's like what are you you're not getting 15 carries in this game what do you need all that for uh if, <laughs> if you can turn it into an extra you know extra bit in your step then go for that i guess yeah that that would be that'd be optimal um i think I, I wish we could have seen him in the cool Virginia offenses as opposed to like what, what Tony Elliott's done to them now. Awful. Yeah, he was sentenced to Northwestern and uh, this, this lesser Virginia offense. Bleh. Bleh. But um, it, it, he's, he's got himself to the combine. You know, so. you're going to see people compare. I bet you're going to see anyway, people compare him to Demario Douglas. I don't think he's that good of a prospect. I think, the density, the five eight, you know, p- pretty heavy five eight guy. That theme, maybe speed, but uh, Douglas was a lot more, I think, like laterally uh, twitchy, and also had just better overall production. Yeah, he he was. Yeah, he he was he was, he was a steal for the Patriots, big time. And that's their don't know how they did it in, in years. Yeah. They, they really uh, fell, uh, you know, luckily in, into that one for them. Um, but you know we're talking five eight one ninety slot receivers now, so that, that that signals to me that we've covered some ground. Or real quickly before with what you're going to say next, I still believe in Jacob Cowing, but yeah, I expect his stock to be kind of low after the combine because I, I doubt he's going to like burn it up at any, or anything like that. But uh, I still believe I'm still going to be a truther about that one. All right, let's let's keep the faith on that one, um, but. I think that's going to do it for us here on the pre-combine edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. We'll be back next week to to kind of give our full breakdown on what happened, who's rising, who's falling as a result of the goings-on in Indianapolis. For Mario Puig, I'm John McKechnie. Thanks for listening. And if you want to check out that uh, the Rotowire free trial, get a look at those uh, combine statistical uh, database numbers. Yeah. Go to redwire.com forward slash pod. That'll get you behind the paywall for a couple days. Check that out again. That's redwire.com forward slash pod.